Gretchen, we are so excited. We are going on tour this fall, back on the road with Happier Hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. Everyone can come see our disembodied (laughs) voices live on stage. Yeah, plus there's going to be slides. Visuals. Yes. We've got tickets now on sale for San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn, and Kansas City, our hometown. You can get all the information, uh, details, links to buy on GretchenRubin.com slash events. And if you want to make sure you're notified when we're coming to your city um, and more information, sign up for my newsletter at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter. Yes, hashtag newsletter. I send out information to keep people notified. Please come bring your friends. We had so much fun meeting our podcast listeners at our live shows earlier this year. We can't wait to meet a whole lot more of you. Yay. I have a confession to make. What is it? I've been playing so much two dots that I seem to have lost use of my right hand. (laughs) It's bad. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we talk about the fact that everything, from setting a meeting to writing a script, takes longer than you think it will. And that is not just in Hollywood. Then in our new segment, You're the Boss, we discuss how the knowledge that skills are transferable can help us all thrive in unexpected ways. Plus, Sarah has a power hour hit, and I've got a bomb related to my husband Adam's new job. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack will help all of you aspiring writers hone your craft. But first, we've got a question that we want to ask you, our listeners, to weigh in on. Yes, we need your help. So the other day we were having lunch at our favorite new lunch spot, Heirloom, which is where apparently a lot of writers have lunch every day. And we were eavesdropping on the table next to us. Yes, we do that. It's just... Although we really couldn't help it. They were having a conversation at full volume about this. So one of the writers was saying she'd gotten a note from the studio. Sounded like a movie to us. About making her characters more likable and more accessible. Yes, and we had just gotten that note on a pitch we were working on, and it was just very interesting. Yes, it's actually two pitches, and on both of them, we got the likability-accessibility note. And people have been doing likable, I mean, forever, saying, they need to be more likable. How can we make them more likable? But accessible feels like a new development. Yeah, and the two are not necessarily the same. Like, you can be totally accessible but not likable, or likable but not Accessible. Yes. Is it accessible or accessible? This is like the great GIF gift. (laughs) I say accessible. I say accessible. But anyway, (laughs) we digress. Yes. And of course, as writers, we kind of rankle at the likability note because likability to us implies a lack of complexity and you want your characters to be 
fully rounded and likability, is that really that important? So this leads to our question. Yes. What makes a character likable and or accessible, accessible? What qualities? <laughs> and furthermore, does it matter? Do you care about the likability and accessibility of your characters? I'll point out, Sarah, many hugely popular award-winning shows have characters who are neither. Succession, for instance, on yes. HBO, I hate every single person on that show. <laughs> I have nothing in common with any of them. It's like, certainly not, not accessible at not all. Not in any way. <laughs> um, and yet, that's my favorite show. Right. So. That's my mom said the same exact thing about that show. <laughs> Does she like it? She hates, she loves the show. She hates everyone yeah. on it. It stresses me out. I can't even watch it. It just completely stresses me out. But I know that it's good. And the characters are amazing. Yes. And certainly nobody's worrying about them being likable. Not at all. So please, listeners, we want to hear from you about this issue. What does make characters likable or accessible? Does it matter? Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week it's Everything takes longer than you think it will. Ugh, sigh, double sigh. <sighs> and this applies to literally everything. Everything. Like setting a call, writing a pitch, getting a doctor's appointment. Remodeling a house, as uh, you know. Yes. Doing notes on a script, getting our kids to brush their teeth. Yeah, and Sarah, this really hit home for us the other day because we realized that we'd planned leaving town under the assumption that we would have sold two projects by September. Which seemed like a really reasonable assumption at the time. We started our development process so early, we were like, oh, yes, ne our network pitches will be certainly be done by the end of August. So we both scheduled trips. Yes. Whoops. Um, and guess what? <laughs> Haven't sold anything officially yet. Yes. And so now we have to be the people saying, well, we're not available that day because we're out of town, which we hate doing. As obligers, that just, oh, ugh. it's very stressful. And frankly, we would cancel if we could, but yes. we can't. But what's useful about you know, sort of realizing that everything takes longer than we think it will and that, you know, our pitches haven't sold yet is that hopefully they will sell. First of all, let me just say that <laughs> whenever it happens, um, <laughs> is that moving forward in the development process, we also need to realize that every step is going to take longer than we think it will. Yes. And this is not, unfortunately, something that only applies to television writers. This is true, I think, across the board in probably every career yes. that we just need to remember. Everything takes longer than we think it does. And, like, just scheduling yes. takes well, a bazillion years. Yeah, if you have to have a call with six people or even worse, a meeting with six people in any industry, that could take weeks to schedule. Yes, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Sarah, this also made me think of something Jeff Lewis said the other day on his radio show. Mm -hmm. Jeff Lewis, for anyone who doesn't know, um, starred in the Bravo show Flipping Out. He's a house flipper, but also a radio host. He's a great radio host. But he was saying that he had the insight that when, you know, so we all say when one door closes, another opens. Mm -hmm. And he said, but what I'm realizing is it often takes a lot longer for that other door to open than you want it to. Uh, and, yes. you know, it's really true. Things just take longer than you think they will. They do. And it takes a lot of discipline to remember this. 
Yes. So how can we, one, remember this and then deal with that? Well, I think however long we think something will take, we should try to double it in our minds. So Mm. if we think an outline is going to take two weeks, we should assume it'll be a month to get through the process. Because also when we do something, it's not just us writing it. It's getting notes, rewriting, more notes, moving on to the next person, notes, more notes. It's just there's a lot of steps to each step. Steps within steps within steps. Yes. And knowing that will help us sort of manage our anxiety level. It will help us plan. Yes. And then we just shouldn't beat ourselves up when things take longer. Yeah. It's not that we're slow. It's just that things take time. Yeah. So again, even us, you know, not having been into the network for our pitches, it's not that we've been dragging our feet. It's just things take time. Yes. It's a scheduling thing. It's all... It's just that things take time. Yes. Also, like, you know that if you need to set that doctor's appointment, don't wait until you really need to set it. Think about setting it six weeks in advance. Or the haircut. Well, that's the thing for me. I'm the worst at that. As I will call to make an appointment to set a haircut when I need a haircut, and then my stylist isn't available for two months, and I'm screwed. So, Yes. Yes. It's like you've got to assume it's going to take a long time and then plan accordingly. And by the way, anyone working on their house, (laughs) anyone working on their house, I would at least quadruple that amount of time. My sister-in-law right now is doing a huge remodel, which is theoretically going to be done in time for us to all have Thanksgiving there. So I'm very curious to see if it's actually done. Well, speaking of planning ahead and knowing that things take longer than they usually do, I would book a hotel room. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. (laughs) Next up, our newest segment, You're the Boss. But first, a break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for You're the Boss, in which we talk about how we can all be the bosses of our own careers. Yes, we are in charge. We are. And today we're examining the notion that many skills are transferable, which should encourage us all to build new skills, even if they don't seem on the surface to be directly applicable to our careers. Yeah, and Sarah, this came up the other day because we were talking about how much doing this podcast has improved our pitching. 
Yes. It was like we went and pitched something because we're in different phases of pitching. Mm -hmm. And we were like, wow, that seemed really good and so much easier than it used to be. There's a level of fluidity. We're so much less nervous. We communicate more clearly. It's a really fascinating thing. I never would have thought that doing this podcast, you know, where we're just kind of talking with each other, we plan what we're going to talk about, but, like, it's totally different than a pitch. Yes. I did not think that those skills would transfer into pitching. It never crossed my mind. And what's interesting is that pitching is such a huge part of what we do. Improving yeah. pitching is one of the best things we could possibly do for our career. <laughs> it's so true. So I'm just like so grateful that we have this podcast, not just for the podcast itself, but now also for what I feel like it's doing for us outside of the podcast. Yes. And it really made us realize that this is something that can happen in so many different ways. Like if you have trouble speaking up in meetings, for example, join a book club. Yes, because in a book club, hopefully you're with people you know, talking about something that you are familiar with, and the stakes are extremely low. So you can get used to sort of piping up with your opinion in a safe environment. And then if you do that, I bet for a few months, suddenly you're going to be in a meeting and suddenly pipe up and not have that heart-pounding, you know, horrible feeling. Right, exactly. Uh, what are some other things that would have transferable skills? Well, this is kind of a thinker, but I think doing something like learning a language on your commute, which is, mm. to me, kind of a boring thing to do, learn a language. It could help you, though, sort of with your stamina for keeping your nose to the grindstone. Like, oh. if you're sitting there and you're, you know, learning French and kind of forcing yourself to keep doing this, then when it comes to the boring part of your job, because we all have boring mm -hmm. parts of our job, I think it could translate to stamina there. That makes sense. And also learning a language just sort of <laughs> fires yes. new neurons in your brain, and that's good in general. Yes. Also, maybe joining a soccer league or playing ice hockey if you need team-building skills. Yes, which I'm, in many corporations, yes. team-building seems to be like the buzz phrase for every American corporation. Yes. And like we, neither of us ever really did organized sports. And I feel One like— One softball. <laughs> I think that was the same year I did. Um, and I feel like if we had those skills, that would have been so good for us in so many different ways. Yeah, definitely in our world, like for being part of a crew mm -hmm. um, and certainly in the writer's room. I mean, I think we've built a lot of team building skills anyway. Yes. But I mean, for sure, if we had that sort of sports skill, it would be helpful. And there are so many leagues for adults where if you kind of need to get in there and and practice that, join, I think, um, doesn't Sean play hockey? He used to, yeah. Um, so there's hockey leagues and basketball leagues and everything. These seem like very guy things. What are, <laughs> I wonder what the leagues are for women. 
Uh, I don't know. Are there like grown-up soccer leagues? Oh, I don't yes, want to. I don't want to yes, join one. I'm yes, just. I'm just yes. saying for other people who might. Yes, there are. And also, it goes without saying that when you build a skill of any sort, you know, playing piano, whatever it is, it's going to build your confidence. Mm-hmm. And confidence is the best thing you can bring to your career. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to be your own boss of your career, that requires some balls or ovaries, whatever you want to say, confidence can only help you. Yes. And we want to hear from our listeners. What skills have transferred in your life and career? We want to know. Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Sarah, it's time for hits and bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And Sarah, you can start us off with a hit. Okay, my hit is I did a power hour. You've been talking about this on Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen is a big proponent of the power hour. I've never done it. And oh my God, life changer. So the idea is to make a list of all the random things you need to do and set aside an hour to actually do them. Uh, Because as Gretchen says, things can get done at any time, often get done at no time. And if anyone's interested in hearing Gretchen talk about this, we talked about having a power hour way back in episode six of Happier. Which just tells you how long I've been putting off actually doing a power hour. And now I'm like the biggest convert. So I made a doctor's appointment. I made a hair appointment. I scanned a death certificate for my mom and sent it to the lawyer. I Like a bunch of just like paperworky things that I needed to do. I paid bills. I ended up having enough time. Like I made it through my sort of paperwork list fast enough that I actually ran an errand. Wow. In there and mailed something that I had been putting off. Like, it was so fantastic. And now I started a power hour list in the notes section of my phone Mm. so that I'm ready for the next power hour. I won't have to assemble the list. It's already, like, there and waiting for me. And then you were so inspired by your power hour that you declared we were doing a team power hour. Which we desperately needed to do. Desperately. Um, And so we answered like eight emails, we did some scheduling, we bought someone a gift. It was great. Our power hour actually stretched out to like an hour and 15 minutes because we had a lot (laughs) to do. But it really does feel so good when it's done to have those nagging things off your shoulders. Oh, the, the release of the mental load was phenomenal. Okay, Liz. Power hours. What's your bomb? Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, first, I need to give you some context. I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast, but my husband, Adam, has a new job. Mm -hmm. And it's full-time, and it means he often has to spend the whole day at an office in downtown L.A., which is, unfortunately, over an hour commute from our house. It's a long way. It's a long way. And the last couple of years, Adam has largely been working from home. So he's Mm -hmm. had all this flexibility And now he does not. He's also working a lot of hours. So I made a big point of telling him several times (laughs) that since I'm working from home now, well, from your home mostly, but, you know, not an office, that I would pick up a lot of the slack at our house because Adam has been doing a ton at our house, like everything from taking care of the plants, which is actually a huge job, to calling the electrician, to changing the air conditioning filters. I mean, so many things. 
And my bomb is that I have utterly failed to pick up the slack at home. Mm. I have done nothing that I don't normally do, which isn't nothing. You know, I do a lot of things like order the hot lunch and Mm -hmm. get birthday gifts and all of that. I mean, I do my part. Right. But, like, he was doing way more of the house stuff. And I feel like he really deserves to have help with that. Well, it's a huge shift. I just, I have to say, it's not like this is a small thing. The dynamic has been what it is for quite a while. And, like, having Adam be in this job, it really is a shift. So I just want to, you should let yourself off the hook a little bit. Well, and it's nothing I'm naturally inclined toward. You know, so that's part of the problem. Right. And so what do you think is holding you back? Partly is the lack of desire, of course. (laughs) Um, But also part of it is I just don't know what to do. Uh Like I can say, oh, I'll water the plants. But like I don't know how much water they need, how often. Like I just, things domestic are just like hazy to me. You know, they just don't come into focus. Like I'm clueless. And so what I need to do is be proactive, like, when he's out watering, say, watch him. You know what I mean? And that's something I feel like I could do that would really save him a lot of time. You need to schedule Um, a how-to-do-house-stuff power hour. Oh, my God, I do. All right, well, we'll see if that happens. (laughs) It should happen. Yes. Well, and, of course, the other thing that you know I'm going to say you need. Oh, yes. A to-do list. You're right. A house to-do list, a yes. picking up slack to-do yes. list. Or a ta-da list, like Gretchen said. Ta-da! Yeah, ta-da. That's a, yes, exactly. Yes, a ta-da list when I've actually done something and right. give myself a gold star. Exactly. Well, we'll still keep you posted. Okay, start with to-do, move on to ta-da. Yeah, okay. Coming up, Sarah's Hollywood Hack is a podcast recommendation, but first, this break. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack, and it is a podcast. It's the Script Notes podcast with John August and Craig Mazin. Here's a description. Screenwriters John August and Craig Mazin discuss screenwriting and related topics in the film and television industry, everything from getting stuff written to the vagaries of copyright and work-for-hire law. Yeah, and— If our listeners don't know who John August and Craig Mazin are, they're both very successful screenwriters. John August wrote Go, Charlie's Angels, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and the latest adaptation of Aladdin, which I saw with Violet. And Craig Mazin wrote The Hangover and Identity Thief, and most recently he created Chernobyl for HBO, which, of course, is getting tons of critical acclaim. Yes. And Sarah, you recently started listening to script notes. Yes. And I just want to say I resisted for a long time. And part of why I resisted just has to do with overload. Mm -hmm. Like, we are writers, and this is what our life is every day. So adding more of that, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, God, it just sounds like stuff. I'll just, it'll just be like almost like um, torturing myself with Mm -hmm. like more of the stuff we're already in. Yeah. And then. Also, I will admit, I sort of didn't want to just, like, listen to two guys talking. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to listen to a podcast about writing, I will listen to Am Writing with Jess and KJ. Right. For example, because I feel like, you know, we've spent a lot of our career listening to dudes talk. Yes. And it can be exhausting. (laughs) So I resisted, but I listened. And what made you listen? 
Oh, God. I think, well, I was very interested in their differing points of view on the WGA action Uh, that's going on now. And I knew that they talked about that on the podcast. You and I are very on the same page about it. So I thought, well, that would be an interesting thing to listen to. So then once I got into it, I just thought, you know, it actually is very interesting to listen to other people talk about writing as it happens. And they really offer a lot of very concrete, interesting ideas. Yeah, and they talk a lot about the craft. Yes. We talk a little bit about the craft. In fact, we have our new segment, The Craft and Fane. Yes. We talk more about the business and sort of mechanics and how to handle it all. Yes. They get very into the details about writing. Yes. Um, which I didn't think I would find all that interesting because we get into that between ourselves yes. all the time. But I actually really do. So there are over 415 episodes of this podcast. So, you know. That'll keep you busy. Yes. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Speaking of Jess Leahy, did you see that Kristen Bell posted a thing on Instagram of her reading... Jess's book. Yes, Gift of Failure. Yes. Um, that was so cool. I know. It, like, totally blew up. I've yeah. seen it in, like, three different publications. It's Amazing. a good book. From the Onward Project. <laughs>